0: everyone and welcome this is episode 271 of Milwaukee's tailgate Brewers podcast part of the MKE tailgate network I am James joined once again by Ryan and Paul as we do this uh, a day later because of the Super Bowl and uh all kind of recovering from Super Bowl Sunday there but hey everybody is now you know looking ahead to baseball season pitchers and catchers reporting soon so how have you guys been how were your weekends
1: um Okay, a good Super Bowl, generally speaking, but you know yeah. the, the the ref, the, that was not my favorite call. It's one of those things where like, uh, I hate this about football. This happens in baseball sometimes, sometimes too. It's like technically the right call in a vacuum, um, because if you like break down exactly what happened with the, there's a little jersey grab, there's a little infighting there, but you need to look at it in the context of the whole game where. Uh, like there was not much called in the secondary. I think there was one other secondary penalty in offensive pass interference earlier. And uh, making that call at that moment sort of goes against a lot of what happened over the rest of the game. And you got to be able to rely on how things are being called in any given game to actually play properly. So that was annoying. And then also I woke up this morning to find that a coyote had gutted a squirrel on my lawn. Uh, oh my God. And, uh, the, <laughs> you did not see this? in, the, Paul in the posted process, this. In the process of doing so, uh, so we have all these like big, huge rubber tubes attached to our rain gutters to filter water down into the lowest part of the yard where it all runs down into a nice like creek and doesn't flood basements and all that stuff. And uh, what clearly happened is the squirrel got the coyote's attention and then went and hid in the tubes and the coyote chomped through them and ripped them all off the gutters and like, just strew them all about the yard. There's huge teeth marks in them and a bunch of plastics ripped out of them. Um, and so I spent a lot of the day crawling under my deck, reattaching just mutilated giant rubber tubes to my gutters because it's supposed oh, to rain man. tomorrow, and cleaning up squirrel viscera. So uh, it was <laughs> been, not been the best day. Um, I am but- uh,
0: missing this. This is what I get for not being on Twitter as much as I used to. This is, uh, this is crazy uh yeah i thought when i woke up this
1: morning and looked out the window that there was just a patch of like gray snow that hadn't melted even though it had been 50 degrees the last few days oh no and then just looking closer and then all of a sudden i see like at the back of the yard there's there's part of my gunner tube at the back of the yard that's not where it belongs at all (laughs) (laughs) and yeah went outside everything it was just it was a mess it looked like a battle royal between animals had gone on
0: oh man poor mr squirrel yeah ryan can you can you top that
2: no, not even going to try to top <laughs> that. I will just say that Paul's whole story about the uh, the the referee situation there is why I like rules that are just very hard and fast and don't rely on interpretation because that interpretation is flexible and it can be flexible at the very worst times. Yeah. So you like to have something hard and fast, even if it's dumb, even if it feels weird. uh It's generally just better to have it be firm so that there isn't this like, well, we have to take into context the situation because human beings are terrible at that. So let's not leave it reliant on context. Let's just have a hard, fast rule.
1: One of the pride of the Detroit guys wrote today, like it's it's unavoidable to have some judgment there. Otherwise, you're not going to have contact at the right time. But having every defensive penalty given automatic first down. Is just too much power to officials, and in this specific situation, you see exactly how that manifested itself. It was third and eight on that play, and a simple five-yard penalty. uh, You know, it punishes the Eagles for the penalty, but it doesn't end the game. It's still third and three; they still have a chance to recover from it. Um, And instead, no, it's just that's everything's an automatic first down all the time, which is very imbalanced from the way uh, penalties are called going the other way. Where you know it's it's you get the down over except on intentional grounding. It, they need to do something about it. It gives the officials way too much sway over things. It's ridiculous. And it also yeah.
2: doesn't show up in the yardage totals, which cause they always show you how many penalties and how many yards. Well, yeah, if it's a five yard holding call that or defensive holding call that wiped out a, a third and 15 that doesn't begin that five yards doesn't begin to explain what just happened there and how how much that swung the game
1: right it's a huge epa gain just right. the first down is worth everything like mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, in that specific situation uh it w when winning uh wp added in football is a little squirrely for a lot of reasons but it The uh, Eagles had about a 26% chance before the call was made, and it basically ended the game. So, I mean, it doesn't get bigger than that.
0: Sure. I guess speaking of stupid rules, we're going to talk about a stupid baseball rule that'll be sticking around (laughs) soon. Uh, But first, uh, before I get into everything this week, a reminder, you can become a patron. Get Question Priority over at patreon.com slash Tailgate. Two bucks a month gets you that uh, question priority, gets you to the front of the line, both here and on reporting as eligible, while five bucks gets you that question priority, plus some additional exclusive content, including the minor league extra with Ryan and James Anderson from RotoWire. All right. Um, Well, I was going to hold off on this, but while we're talking stupid rules, uh, (laughs) zombie runner (laughs) back forever, basically Uh, like a good zombie. You can't you can't kill it. uh, Can't keep it away um and hopefully less depressing than hbo's uh the last of us because man (laughs) i'm i'm sucked into that but every every week is a huge downer anyway uh zombie runner coming back uh obviously you know players seem to like it because it keeps them from playing 18 innings in the middle of july or august or whatever but i feel like just about everybody kind of hates it just because it kind of doesn't feel like baseball. And it kind of has that outweighed um, scenario that we're kind of talking about with the football penalties too. So uh, (laughs) let's start with that, Paul. Your thoughts on the zombie runner uh, sticking around for a
1: while. um, I actually, I did notice Russell Carlton actually does like it. He was um, tweeting in support of it earlier. So not everybody hates it, but I am much more in the Craig Goldstein um, mind on this where you're making an affirmative choice in the way that you use your bullpen and sort of ignoring the possibility of extra innings happening. Like you don't need to do that. You can have long men and employ a bullpen that does not blow out your entire team's pitching staff. If you go to extras, that's a thing you can do. And I like the game to be the game. I hate any gimmicky ending. I don't like penalty kicks in soccer. I don't like um, every single overtime rule that's ever existed in football, um, especially the college one. That one is ridiculous. So, like baseball is the one you can actually play for a long time and people have played it for a long time for extra innings for most of the history of baseball. There's not really a good reason you can't still do it. And I like having extra baseball. So I'm, I do hate this. I'm a traditionalist on extras and uh yeah, it's, it's, it's annoying for me personally. I kind of
2: get it, but I don't like it. I mean, the problem is more so what it does to teams and bullpens in the next following games, that it is a significant handicap and that it was leading to a lot of teams really using their bullpens and and doing what people don't like, which is to be shuffling a lot of guys from AAA to the major leagues to be able to cover for these things once you've decimated a bullpen for a 15-inning game. Now everybody is basically pitched and you have everybody unavailable, so now you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to call up a few guys Send a few guys down and it just like I get that people don't like that and that that is it's a huge pain in the butt for managers like Craig Council has talked about this and has said like as a fan of the game, uh, I'm not a huge fan as a person who has to manage through this and has to like figure out how to to, to make it work as a manager. It's a godsend like it, it really does help. And so I get that. I, I just don't think this is the best way to do it. I think that I know people hate it. I know that, like, Americans, for some reason, are, like, pathologically against mm, contest ending and ties when elsewhere in the world this isn't a problem. People do it in soccer all the time. So basically soccer, unless you have a tournament where it has to be settled, that's the only time they'll go to penalty kicks is, like, we have to have a team advance, Right. Other than that, they'll just take a tie, and it's part of the thing. And there is actually a history of this in baseball. Baseball was played with ties for a very long time uh, as one of the possible results. Going way back into like the early days of the game, and I think up through like the 20s, you could find ties in the standings. Mm -hmm. And we just decided that we don't like that, that we're not going to do that anymore. And frankly, it's silly, and all you need to do... Some people are are very hard and fast about this. They're like, yeah, just nine innings and then we're done. And then if it's a tie, it's a tie. I think you can play that extra inning. And I do think that it gives you a significant advantage. So I went and looked at 2019. And so this is the last year pre-Zombie Runner, right? And if you look back at 2019, there were 208 games that went to extra innings, okay? 91 of those were settled in the 10th. So 44% of the of the games were settled with just one extra inning. So that would be my ideal solution would be to say, okay, we're just going to play 10 innings at the most. And if it's still tied at that point, they've been doing this for as long as I can remember in spring training, they'll just wrap the game and that's it. It's a tie. And there's actually some, some side benefits of this that you can look at right now. As like a a fairly big side benefit, actually. So I I went and I checked the numbers. So that would leave 117 games, which when you take it and figure out per team, it works out to about seven or eight games a year on average that would end in a tie for a team. Okay, so I don't think that's a a remarkably large number. And obviously they would be treated as half a win, right? That for standings purposes, they would just be treated as half a win. And one thing that I really like about this is if we are really going to do this thing where we're no longer going to do game 163s, we're going to settle everything in the uh, in the regular season by 162 games, this is a great way to, to break it up. And it is much, much less likely that you would have two teams with identical records in this case. Sure. Right? Like, it's much less likely you're going to end up with identical yeah. records. So that would actually make that kind of easier. And you wouldn't need to worry about these, you know, head head to head tiebreakers and all this kind of stuff. You just say you like, okay, if two teams wind up with the exact same number of points, well, okay, fine. Then it's the yeah. team <laughs> it's the team with the most wins. Goes. Yep. Like it's not hard. So that would be my my solution to this. And I know it's I not like, going to happen ever.
1: I like bringing points into it because people hate that almost as much as ties. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just un-American. So yeah. I, do, I, I always do wonder um, how much the quote a draw is like kissing your sister has to do with America's attitude towards <laughs> ties. And uh, uh, possibly apocryphal because you know how looking up quotes on the internet is. So yeah. please feel free to correct me if I this is not true. It looks like that comes from um, I think it's Navy's coach Eddie Ertelatz, from 1954 from um, their football coach. So um, I do feel like that does coincide pretty well with ties starting to become um, you know looked down upon by Americans. So very influential possibly in in doing that. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, I know they won't. They won't undo it. Like there is no chance that they're going to like accept ties here. And they, yeah. I think everybody. No American
1: American sports bringing ties back. That is not
2: happening. (laughs) Right. And the the players and the managers. I think the thing I will say about this is the players and the managers are fine with this. It was actually the players that pushed for it in twenty twenty two. They wanted it to continue. And MLB assented to that. That's how that continued for last yeah. year. And there is, I don't want to like say that this is a hard and fast rule, but I Ben Lindbergh talks about this on the Effective Wild pod, that like, to a certain extent, the game does kind of belong to the players. And so in something like this, if they're okay with it, I guess it can't be that evil and that bad, like if the players <laughs> are are fine with it. But I just I would not do it this way at all. I dislike it.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're just all crotchety old guys who hate change and evolution <laughs> of games and, and all that stuff. You know, ban the three point shot and the dunk. While we're at it, you know, I don't know. Uh, just figured we we would that in there because that's obviously gonna be a a big thing going forward and does play into manager strategy as we talked about and that segues nicely into uh some of the reports this week about craig council's future um so we talked about bit before in previous episodes about why the Brewers need to extend Craig Council if nothing else to avoid that lame duck status right that no team wants their manager to have uh so on the topic of of his future with the team council recently said there's been some conversations but as pitchers and rep- catchers report soon and as we record this a deal still hasn't been announced. Uh, he told the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel that quote I'm in a great place I love what I'm doing the why is still intact like why I originally wanted to do this it's still in front it's still front and center for me and why I love the job I'm happy Mark Adonasio and I have had conversations and I'm sure those will continue and meanwhile I've got my feet in 2023 and I'm ready to go so obviously sounds like he wants to stay it's just you know probably one of those things where they're working on terms or whatever but That does kind of lead us to a pair of Patreon questions on the topic. So uh, first, we have Luke Roy Suitcase, who is asking, should I be worried that Craig Council has not been extended yet? Are there issues between him and others in the organization that I'm not aware of? Having him as a manager gives me an excuse to wear my 2010 Council jersey (laughs) and being a hometown guy has also been nice. He seems like a good dude and a good manager. And uh, Luke Zimmerman patron also asking some reporting over the weekend touched on discussions about extending council's contract as manager any thoughts on what seems to be a delay in doing so related to this do you think that council's long-term future with the team might include a return to front office work instead of being a field manager so i guess a lot of questions (laughs) there rolled into a couple uh first of all uh ryan should we be worried that he hasn't been extended
2: yet uh i'm not I'm choosing not to be. I think it's very unlikely (laughs) that he goes into the season as a lame duck. I don't think there's... I I would be shocked. I said it on Twitter the other day. I would be stunned if he goes into the season as a lame duck. I cannot imagine anybody... Given what he is saying there, I can't imagine anybody not wanting to have him around. I, I don't get that. I can't imagine why anybody associated with the team would in any way not want this to continue. He is one of the best. Everybody acknowledges he is one of the best, if not the best manager in baseball. And he's a hometown guy. And the the team has done so well under him. And I, I just, I cannot imagine if he wants to be here, why they wouldn't want him to stay. So for, from that standpoint, I'm not worried.
1: I'm worried. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't think the Brewers want him gone, but I could... Definitely. It's nice that he was reassuring in his quote, that's all fine and good, Uh, but Craig has always been good at managing the people around him, the expectations (laughs) around him, how people feel about him, and things of that nature. Um, There is more reason to suspect he might go than there has been in a long time, uh, with Stearns potentially going somewhere else. And the other thing is that Craig Council is regarded as one of, if not the best manager in baseball. Uh, you can steal quite a few wins for not that much money by paying a manager quite a bit more. Counsel surely knows his his worth here. And, you know, maybe he wants to test it. So I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. He comes back. He, he is, of course, a hometown guy. Those words are better than him not saying them. They're better than <laughs> him being silent and saying we're working on things behind the scenes. Um, but until he is actually signed, I will continue to be worried about this. So, Yeah what What's the delay? Do you think they're they're talking?? Terms well, I or... think probably part of it is the the changeover from Stearns to Arnold and uncertainty in the front office that accompanies that reshuffling things on that end. Sure. And just, um, you, you know, you have to do, your player contracts first to a large extent. You have to do arbitration. You have to do everybody who is up for renewal before you get around. You don't have to hustle as much with counsel. There's not as much there's not rules around managers and timing. You, you do that last and that's fine. So there's good reason that it would be put off till till one of the last things you have to do. That's totally reasonable. Um and I think that's probably the case. But you know, the longer he stays on side, the more you know dollar signs might start whispering in his ears too.
2: Yeah, I wonder, this is probably completely insane, but could he be waiting to see if they're going to extend somebody? And kind of putting him off and saying, not seriously going to discuss this while we're waiting for you to take care of other business? Like, that sort of thing? That's probably not happening, right? I d- uh, I doubt it.
1: Okay. Um, I mean, it, it, if they were, like, looking at, like, going full rebuild here, then maybe. But that's not the case at all, you know? It's, right. This team will be competitive, so... Very much doubt that. But like Stern's being, you know, he, he's not gone. He's still on the team. But Stern Stern's writing on the wall of him being gone All right. is perhaps a reason for Council not to take as big of an extension as he otherwise would, and maybe a shorter extension than he otherwise would, knowing his you know, former boss will likely end up on a different team in the not-too-distant future and may be looking for managers in the not-too-distant future, even if it's not this season.
2: Well, it may have been. We don't know the internal dynamics. We don't know that Stearns and Council are like attached to the hip. We, oh, seem- absolutely
1: not. I mean, he didn't hire him, but right. Stearns is also not a dummy and probably knows very, very well metrics-wise what he's got in Council.
2: And I would assume that Matt Arnold would as well.
1: Yeah, it's just, you know, the guys who know that are more likely to steal him than some rando working for the Tigers.
2: That's no, that kind of- that's true. <laughs> I think the other thing, too, is you wonder if there's some sort of uh, power. St- I don't make it sound very dramatic, like a power struggle type situation. But like, is Craig Council like the part of this question that was being asked by Luke Zimmerman was, Um, Do you think that Craig Council's long-term future with the team might include return to front office work instead? And that has been speculated where there is actually like pretty hardcore Brewers fan blogger types, Nick Sattel, who's long thought that this is the case, that Council will be heading back to the front office at some point and doing that, which you don't see that very often. Usually guys kind of get siloed, though he did come from the front office side of things. Right. And, like, there have been guys like Jack McKeon, Trader Jack, would bounce back and forth between being a general manager and a manager all the time. So, like, there is, like, historical precedent for that. But I don't know. Like, y- you wonder at the internal dynamics right now are definitely unsettled because you have a, a change in the, the pecking order. You have a change two things that we don't think we've said over and over all of us that we don't think there's been a dramatic change and a shift here, but there's definitely, there's probably some, some sifting and winnowing going on here where people are trying to find their new place within the organization. People are maybe looking to move up because situations like this, you know, what's the the line from game of Thrones chaos is a ladder. Like there's a little bit of unsettledness. So you try to, to rise yourself up the ladder. Maybe there's who knows what exactly is going on with that. But I just ultimately I, I would be really stunned. Like he seems to want to stay here and there's no reason for the team to let him go and I can't imagine that money – managers don't make that much money. They really do not. Like, this is really a pittance. I think the highest paid managers are around $5 million a year. They sure. just do not make that much money. And, yeah, like, I, maybe that is – maybe there is some, like, hard-nosed bargaining going on here between uh, his agent and Matt Arnold and uh, Atanasio. But I can't see that as being a reason to walk away. Because if that ever got out at this point, if that got out that they, like, didn't want to pay him whatever, you know, piddly amount of money he was asking for and decided not to keep him because of that, I mean, the the level of, of screaming that would ensue from that, and rightfully so, would be, like, deafening. So I, I just can't see it. It seems just so far-fetched.
0: I just personally think everybody's just on edge because there's a lot of (laughs) discontent over the direction of the organization right now. And and every little thing seems like it could be a giant catastrophe. But uh, this (laughs) is probably pretty normal. You know, like Mm -hmm. they basically have until the end of camp to get this done. Like you guys said, there's no real rush here. Um, it sounds like conversations are ongoing, so it's not like he's out here saying like, yeah, I want to stay, but they haven't approached me about a new contract yet. That's kind of weird, right? No, like they're obviously having these talks, but understanding that, you know, there's, there's not really a deadline to spur action, so to speak, right at, at this point. So yeah, you know, if we're in this spot in three or four weeks, then maybe get a little nervous, but. I think this is just one of those things where camp's about to start. You look at what's not taken care of yet and you're like, oh, damn, they need to do council's contract. and and (laughs) That's about it, you know, but we'll we'll see where this all ends up. I am not terribly concerned at this point because it just sounds like, you know, Mark A is also kind of a a loyal to a fault guy too. There doesn't seem to be a lot of motivation to move on there either.
2: Yeah, like if this was a matter of them being like, Arnold and Council tussling for control, for power, or something like that, I don't think Mark Atanazio would have any trouble stepping in and being like, yeah, you're going to work it out. He already did that, mm-hmm. like, last time, you know, when he hired counsel, there was already this, like, yeah, I'm hiring, this is my guy. So, yeah. like, this is Atanazio's guy, and I don't think that's going to change. Nope.
0: Like we've said a lot, uh, it's basically his job until he doesn't want it anymore, <laughs> whether it was the the front office gig or just wanting to step away because he just seemed fried and tired and like the weight of the world was on his shoulders uh, quite a bit. But, you know, that that quote in the Journal of Sentinel just read like somebody who's, you know, refreshed after the offseason and raring to go. So we'll see what happens. Mm hmm. All right, other Patreon questions this week. Uh, this one comes from Mark Podscarby, asking: Baseball Prospectus came out with a new defensive metric called range defense. Added thoughts on this new metric. I see Willie Adams ranked number one in shortstops. Paul um, <laughs> automatically makes it good. Yeah. Yep. So Mark says, I know you guys have debated about his defensive value for some time. So curious about your thoughts. So um, I, I, I will say. Uh, when we saw this, I, we did take the screenshot to Paul and said, "Ha ha! What do you think?" So, <laughs> what do you think?
1: I, I, am, I I'm happy to change my opinion when confronted with new information. So that's that's fine. And <laughs> um, yeah, and first of all, uh, it, it's uh, Jonathan, of course, does his usual you know uh, masterful job of explaining their new metrics. So I do recommend everybody go and and read about it at Prospectus. And uh, I think the important points to to take home about it there, i think there's three main ones first of all um there are th- they compare themselves to a lot of other metrics like sports info solutions and, uh, what and uh mlbs uh, i forget what it's called at the moment because i never pay attention to it um but uh that are based on proprietary data and uh, in this instance prospectus is using all open openly available data to actually calculate this which is nice makes it easier to verify test against all of that good stuff, uh, it's less of a mystery. SIS has a bunch of people grading things, and that can get squirrely, as we football people know, with PFF. Um, and I, the other big thing, I think, is it tries to solve a problem that's plagued the defense forever, which is, uh, especially in the infield, infielders have the ability to create their own opportunities through being good defenders and you know, thus rob other people of theirs. And also, uh, like shortstop in particular, you can look better by not getting certain balls because you won't make a mistake then. Um, and uh, worth noting also, th- there is a generally a new defensive statistic that they have out there for everybody. But shortstop specific, uh, th- they have an additional range based one as well, which is what Willie exceeded in. Uh, Jonathan did mention they may expand that to other positions uh, in, in the future. But I think it's nice to have it start out for shortstop because everything kind of is based around shortstop on the infield. Like they're they're the, you know, that's where you go when you're the best defendant defensive player. They're the ones that can create opportunities to their left and to their right. Uh, so I do think that makes a lot of sense, and it's good to see Willie ranking very good on range. Uh, I actually, uh, w- my you know uh, uneducated view on Willie was always I didn't think he actually got to all that much. It's, in addition to being a little sloppy when he got there, but uh, they they have this I think down to, oh, they always have everything down to a science. But well, Willie's range is in fact quite good. And some of the occasional messiness that he gets himself into is exactly what this intends to prove, which is that, um, he's so good that he gets to balls that nobody else gets to. And, you know, this is the stairs. This is the Jeter thing. This is the, you know, <laughs> some guys are better, even though they look worse because they get to so many more balls than Derek Jeter does. And like Willie Thomas is essentially the 2022 walking version of that. So, um, that. that his range defense is phenomenal. I, I totally buy that. I especially buy it because Rowdy still sucks. So I'm right about that. And um, <laughs> <laughs> Confirmation bias in all the right spots. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think it's worth starting to use. And um, uh, Prospectus also uh, will always have my respect for also taking a critical look at what they're good and bad at. And this was born out of a hard look at FRAA and what it succeeded in and what it struggled with. And uh, they did, I think it was just last year, sort of a, a run-up of FRA against everything else. And while it did sort of well in the aggregate, it was ver- very much buoyed by its outfield defense. And, and I think maybe it's catcher metrics and did not mm. do so well on the infield. And so uh, it's, I think, smart of them to take another look at ways to improve that. And I think they've done a good job. So um, it is much more based on on range but using StatCast data. And it does seem to check out um, when, uh, the, the other thing about this is uh, there's not something you can, like when, when you do pitcher stats, you can kind of run them up against ERA to see how they work. Um, there's not like a defensive metric you can test it against. Jonathan does a nice job explaining that, you know, they tested against the stickiness of the data from year to year, which is not definitive, but that, most metrics of this kind that don't have an objective to base them against, do tend to be sticky from year to year when they work and that this is a success in that regard. So uh, it seems to work really well. It's intuitive. It does give you the the very, very typical um, Confirms what you think is true with a couple of surprises, which is what any statistical innovation should do. Too many surprises, it's bad, not enough, and it's useless. Um, And uh, it looks like they've done a really nice job. So I think it's worth relying on, keeping an eye on for the upcoming season, and that other people will have some work to do to catch up to prospectus again, as often happens.
2: Yeah, echo everything Paul said really down the line here. And I just wanted to make one sort of uh, embellish a point, I guess, that you kind of already made there, which is. When you're dealing with range defensively, it really is one of those things that sort of is deceptive, and it it is a very easy way to fool people. Um, there is a story about – I can't remember exactly what the context was, but people arguing back in, say, like around the time of Moneyball, maybe once they started to kind of get the defense stuff sorted out around like 2006, 2007, once defense defensive metrics started to get a lot better – um, and you had, like, Oakland with their three center fielders defense, all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, that's the new money ball, which I think was the first time there was a new money ball. When <laughs> new Oakland money ball w- won yep. Yeah, it was when Oakland all of a sudden decided, oh, right, now we're really going to care about defense. Um, but the the story goes that it was, like, people talking about why, uh, like, some of these defensive metrics thought Mike Cameron was great and Jim Edmonds was just, like, average-ish. And everybody's like, yeah, but – watch Jim Edmonds play. He makes all those crazy diving catches. Well, yeah, but part of that is because he was making crazy diving catches because he wasn't as fast and didn't get as good of jumps. And Mike Cameron was running down baseballs easily that Jim Edmonds would have to stretch out for and dive for. And so sometimes when it appears that you've got uh, guys being all rangy and making all these spectacular plays, it really does. And this is, you kind of mentioned this with Jeter, where it was like, well, yeah, he goes diving into the stands and he makes jump throws and all this stuff. Yeah, well, but good shortstops were making those same plays without having to do all the theatrics and things because they were just getting to the ball quicker and making a better play on it. Um, and so that really is sort of, it is a big thing here where you have to take into context the idea that, like, Defenders are going to uh, like how how well they get to baseballs, how 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 good they are at that, is something that we've we've long really not had a great grasp at. And I think that like I remember back in the '90s. Do you remember Jose Valentin was sort of for a while thought to be a very poor shortstop because he had so many errors. I think there was a season he had over thirty errors at shortstop. Yeah. But then you would look at the denominator on the numbers and you're like, oh, he's actually getting to a lot more baseballs than like most shortstops were. So actually defensively, he was more valuable. And this has been a constant thing throughout baseball history where people are like, yeah, guys are, you know, the range here really does matter, especially at those premium up the middle positions, like shortstop, like center field, how much you're getting to, to baseballs really, really does matter. So it's, It is very nice to see that Willie is highly ranked. And I did see right away people saying, oh, well, that's just going to make him harder to sign to an extension. So (laughs) (laughs) we are very glass half empty these days as Brewer fans, which is kind of insane. But yeah, that was was a common reaction I saw to that bit of news was, oh, this will just make him harder to extend.
0: Should have released this after the contract was signed. And then we knew that the Brewers would have a bargain, but blew it Mm. down.
2: I would suspect the Brewers and also Willie Adams' agent, if he's not a complete right. and utter fool, would have a pretty good idea about some of exactly. these things as well. So yeah,
0: yeah, that's all tongue in cheek. But um, I guess any other random thoughts or observations about the the Brewers in this in this new metric here? I pulled up their leaderboard, and Christian Yelich was was second in RDA runs, which I don't know what that says about the rest of the Brewers' <laughs> defenders or not, but. Garrett Mitchell was third after playing just 176.3 innings, so (laughs) but he was 1.5 RDA runs, so uh, as a rate that seems uh, fairly good. So uh, Garrett Mitchell, good defender
2: confirmed. I mean, the thing about Yelich is we shouldn't be shocked because he can get to a lot of baseballs. He's still fast. Like Christian Yelich sure. is faster than your average left fielder by quite a bit. Like he is a fast guy. You see it on the base paths all the time. It's just that his actions in the outfield, what he is doing out there, so often <laughs> looks bad. So he that's, is not graceful. Out yeah, there, it's least. not. Yeah. Which is very weird because you watch him run the bases and it's like he has he has those turns pinpoint perfect i've that's never beautiful. seen somebody like, yeah. run as gracefully on the bases as he does and then in the outfield look like he's you know just the absolute worst yeah so that's very well, strange
1: the arm also you know yes. his arm yes. is atrocious and that goes into it so i think one of the interesting ones is you know who was the worst second baseman last year dead last it's colton wong mm-hmm. he finished negative 3.9 drp with a negative 2.1 RDA, RDA runs um, and uh, was just atrocious. And I think that checks out with what we actually saw from him last year. He, he was quite bad in, in a very, very large turn from him. He used to be one of the most, you know, one of the elite defenders at second base and moving on from him for that reason, will perhaps pay more dividends than we might otherwise think. Yep. Yeah.
0: Definitely feels like the the brewers saw what they needed to see, not only just uh, with the eye test, but whatever internal metrics they have to uh, probably pointed them in that direction. So uh, interested to see where uh, Bryce Turing ends up there. Uh, I suspect quite a bit better than that, even just by <laughs> being average. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jay Google asking, do we think Brian Anderson is going to receive more starts at third base or in right field from what he said, he was brought in to play third base, but I find it hard he will get a majority of the starts there. Um I know we've talked about this quite a bit, Ryan. You specifically thinking he'll he'll get plenty of run-in right, but uh, you know, if if Orius is not uh chalking up at third base defensively, like some of these metrics might indicate, maybe it's possible uh Brian Anderson does get more time than we thought. I guess has your thought changed at all, Ryan?
2: I think that this one really comes down to a factor of that has very little to do with him. And it has to do with what other players do. And I, I'll distill it down really probably oversimplify it, but say who ends up being better, faster and commanding more playing time out of the gate more quickly, Sal Raleigh or Bryce trying, because that's going to go a long ways to determining where he ends up. Right? Like if depending on, even though those guys don't play the positions that, uh, that Brian Anderson does other guys will be moved around based on what's happening here. And so sure. I think that what you're going to see is if the Brewers have like in the outfield, if the, some of the young guys come along quickly and start establishing themselves and it could be Frelick, it could be Mitchell, it could be Joey Weimer, like it could be any of those guys. If they really push for playing time right away, then that's going to push Anderson the other direction. And you could also see it in the infield. If you know, Brousseau or Toro or Terang, if those guys get off to, to quick starts as you know they start getting playing time in the big leagues, that's going to push Anderson more towards the outfield. So I think it's largely dependent on what other people do more than anything as to where he ends up getting the most. But I would say early on to start, based on the way McAlvey wrote that up, and I know we have a question coming about that, but the way McAlvey wrote that up, I think he's he's going to begin as primarily a third baseman. To open the season, barring a bunch of injuries or, you know, some crazy thing happening with some of the minor leaguers. Because I could see it being possible that, like, either Freilich or Terang just play their way onto the opening day roster. They they take firm hold of it. They play so well in camp. And the team just says, OK, yeah, go ahead. Here you go.
1: I, I agree with that. I think that's likely. I will point out, um, since we're talking new metrics. Uh, at least last year, from what I can tell, he was a better right fielder than a third baseman by a fairly significant amount. Hey. Um, so w- worth worth noting, I, cu- I could be parsing my numbers wrong. It's a little hard to tell. But it uh, looks like he was worth three DRP at right f- in right field. And I can't find him in third base, I think because he didn't play a ton there, perhaps. I, maybe he did, and I just can't find it. But he was 1.3 overall. So he lost 1.7 playing other positions in some capacity, I think. All right, from what I can tell. Yeah, it makes sense. Sure.
0: All right. On that topic uh, that Ryan referenced, Michael McNamara asking Adam McKelvey has Brasso starting in the minors. I would think out of all the infielders with options, he would be the most likely to start in Milwaukee. Your thoughts. And I think I would agree with that just based on the fact that he was one of their better hitters last year. I don't know if they can afford to to keep him down in the minors to start the year. Paul, what do you think? Uh,
1: it's such a, it's so hard to tell with the the guys at the fringe at the end of the roster and brasso while he did was good last year in small stints he's one of those and I think we've mentioned many times before the uh, guys like him will quite possibly be determined by just how hot they are in spring training more than anything else and, and doing that but I do agree I think he's more likely to start up just he uh, you know he, he plays a good third base. He's a good platoon bats and um, honestly they could, they could maybe use his offense even. So um, I, I do think that's likely, but certainly not a sure thing. Uh, if a couple guys catch fire, especially younger guys, um, he is also one of the more expendable players on the team. So uh, you never know with guys like Mike Brasso. He's just a guy fundamentally. I'd bet on him starting with the team, but I wouldn't put a lot of money on it.
2: Yeah, I agree down the line there. It's, It's all very fungible, and it depends on where they want to go. I think the reason that they have Toro as the backup, as opposed to uh, Brousseau, is because uh, Toro uh, has some experience at second base. And Brousseau, he did play 19 innings at shortstop, but that, yeah. I think that was mostly in garbage time. I'm Mm -hmm. not even sure. Yeah, because it was like four games, but yeah, only 19 innings. So I'm not even sure exactly what went on there. It's... I. I think that any of those things are really possible. It How it's going to shake out in spring training. I used to be one of these people that was like, no, spring training isn't to decide roster spots because that stuff, that should be sh- sorted out before you get to spring training. It's not about winning jobs in camp and all those sorts of things. And I've totally changed my tune on that. I think that now it determining who's going to start on the opening day roster in camp is totally fine as long as you're not getting rid of anybody, (laughs) like if you're using camp to make decisions on getting rid of guys and like completely cutting them off the roster, that's like, that's a harder decision. And I think I would question that more based on camp decisions. And I would suspect they probably already have a lot more figured out as far as that goes. Like they're not making those decisions based on just what they're seeing. They're also basing it on past performance and whatever else they're looking at. But I think that for the, the most part like camp is for determining who the opening day roster is going to be. And then like three days later, it's going to change anyway. So who cares? Like it, right. (laughs) More time gets spent during spring, uh, spring training, arguing about who should be on the opening day roster. When as long as you're not like if, if sending a guy down is your problem, you don't have a problem because he could be back up in three days. It it really doesn't make any difference. It's only if your a guy is being sent out, if he's being cut, or sent to another team, whatever. If they're doing something like that, then you can kind of raise objections if you don't think that's correct. But if it's just because somebody got sent down that you didn't want to get sent down, that means nothing. It is so subject to change. It just is not worth worrying about.
0: Yeah. Brasso will be up the first time they need somebody against an extended stretch of lefty starters, right? Like, even if he starts Mm -hmm. the year in the minors. So, yeah. We'll we'll see how that shakes out. But, yeah, I... For now, I would still be surprised if he wasn't on the opening day roster or at least not one of the first call-ups there. All right. Uh, aside from spring training, we have the World Baseball Classic this year, a uh, favorite of mine just for fun, silly games and in the cool atmosphere there that you don't usually get in, in February or March. Uh, so we have Bernie's Mustache asking outside of watching brewers any particularly exciting teams to watch or follow in the world baseball classic who's the early favorite also when is mke tailgate network going to start to expand to bucks content i suppose now (laughs) that the football season don't worry can talk bucks at the start but uh (laughs) similar to the badgers one i don't think any of us have have time or uh, significant others who would be receptive to
2: us. Doing
0: <laughs> Certainly that
2: you don't I want to listen feel- to me complain about NBA roughs for yeah. an hour no. every episode. That would be terrible. No, no. basketball
1: is I, the sport I know the least about. So I really not qualified for that at all. No,
0: not at all. Uh, World baseball classic. I don't know how much you guys have been paying attention to the rosters. Um, team USA looking good. Mike Trout, always good to have on your team. Uh, they are the defending champion, so I guess that would make them one of the favorites. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Team Japan always up there, too. Uh, my favorite every year is the Netherlands because Heck you yeah. love. Some... Honk yeah. ball. Yes. Honk ball. You, you got to follow the honk ball. And also their roster this year is like prime. Remember some guys territory <laughs> like Jair Jurgens is coming back to pitch for them. Uh, we've got <laughs> will Ballantine Roger Bernardinia. Um, Xander Bogarts, eh, he's boring because he's actually playing now, but <laughs> then you've got the guys named like Sicknarf Loopstock next to Xander Bogarts. Absolutely. I mean, that's We love the Dutch here, so um, that that's, uh, is there, is there a missing scope brother here? You got Jonathan Scope and Charlotte Scope. I'm not familiar with Charlen Scope, but huh. uh, the Dutch team definitely uh, one of my favorites. I don't know about you guys.
2: Yep, always pulling for the Dutch. Yeah, that was going to be one that I was going to mention too. Yeah, I think uh, we can root Mexico because we've got a couple guys playing for Team Mexico in uh, Urias and uh, Telez. So yep. be good to, to yeah. see those guys do well. And yeah, I think that that's a good one. Mexico always seems to not have as much baseball talent as I expect them to have coming out of there. Like There are some players that have a lot of players have Mexican heritage, but a lot of mm-hmm. them are in the U.S., Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like we're born in the United States. So, I, obviously, like the Dominican Republic is always good for yeah. this, too. Like that team oh, yeah. is filthy loaded. Yeah. And it always is, especially on the hitting side. The pitching is a little more dodgy, and I'm glad that uh, Freddie did not get his way. I going to bring yeah, that absolutely. up next year.
0: You're celebrating that Freddie will- didn't get picked but i'm Clear sure on pitchers Thank maybe goodness. the brewers had something to say about that too i was gonna say uh,
2: i don't know that it was he didn't get picked so much as he was not <laughs> it was not welcomed for him to go because not in the pool so to speak yeah uh
0: Devin williams on team usa's roster but uh kind of as we were mentioning no no starters no corbin Burns' or brendan woodruff's to worry about there <laughs> so um overall yep. overall good news on the brewer's side Yeah. Uh, but definitely looking forward to seeing guys like Willie uh, made the Dominican roster, which is nice to see, too. But he's got to be like uh, their fourth shortstop, right? Like, Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know how much uh, he'll, he'll actually get to hit there in that lineup. But uh, it's still a cool experience for him. And I know he really, really wanted to go. So um, that's definitely cool to see, too. Mm -hmm. Next Patreon question this week comes from Price Trozen asking if the Brewers remain competitive throughout the season, fingers crossed, say top two in the division. How do you think the attendance numbers will fare? I know JR's article covered a lot of factors, but will just winning help attendance recover? Uh, Paul... you know, we've been pretty critical about the the fan service area of the Brewers. How are you feeling about attendance?
1: Uh, I think it'll be down, even if uh, if they run away with it, if they like blow the doors off of everybody and they're super exciting, that'll fix things for sure. But I don't think being second in the division will. We just saw that, and you know, outside of a big change in their general entertainment level, I think they'll have problems because I frankly think that their front office and marketing aren't as good as they used to be. Uh, at fan outreach and things of that nature. Uh, And prices have gone up quite a bit. I've seen my brother complaining about it quite a bit on Twitter lately, um, who's going from a 20-pack to thinking he can get in whenever he wants, which I think is a reasonable thing to think. So um, I think they've got some macro factors working against them. I think that they are a little out of touch on some of their advertising and on, on some of their giveaways and stuff like that. Um, so I, I do not think they'll re. I, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I, I do not think that they will rebound absent just uh, a huge, huge step forward in performance. And I don't think they're going to get that. So I think they'll be down.
2: Yeah, I think that even if they did last year, they got off to the best start in franchise history. Right, the best 50 games. Yeah, yes, in they franchise sure did. History. That yes. did happen.
0: Game start. Yep.
2: And they were still lagging in attendance. And then obviously down the stretch, things really kind of fell apart. Uh, both from an attendance perspective like those games in September were very very depressing <laughs> mm-hmm. especially with the got to October yeah like it was depressing to be in that building down the stretch and so like that did hurt but they were already behind where they normally are so I don't think there's much of anything they can do this year I think that the fix comes if they can make a run in the playoffs if they make it to the the NLCS like that is the sort of thing that could potentially propel them, but that's looking at 2024 numbers. And that's an an old standby in baseball where they talk about the fact that you will, you see your, your best gains in terms of uh, how well you do in a season that shows up at the gate. The next year is when you actually see it. It's, it's not about, you know, what you're doing in the season, those factors, it, it takes time for that to adjust and you don't see the full effect of it until the next year, like world series champions, When they cash in is the next year, which is why you often see World Series teams bring everybody back for another run. Even if it's not particularly well advised, they'll do it because they want to make sure they cash in for the next year. I think the Royals were really guilty of that.
1: They were. Um, They also they have too much corporate crap going on. And um, I know I'm a family person. I have kids, but not enough family stuff like you. I understand you want to get your big money guys in there who buy a bunch of beers and stuff, but you also need to keep the pipeline of baseball fans going. And you do need kids to be able to go to games like you, you got to have that. Um, and it's it's friendly on Sundays, but it's getting prohibitively expensive to to do it. And uh, like so much of it is just seeming like old bar stool guy crap. And I do not care for right. that um that's like the thing that worries me most about the direction that their focus has gone is it seems very corporate very like broy, very too, too much golf crap i'm gonna mention x-golf probably every damn show this year but like they need <laughs> yeah. to stop basing <laughs> promotions around it like they need to not do that it's you you can have little side things in your stadium that's fine but they have too much built around it it is it's self-parody at this point so they they I don't like their direction. They need a complete overhaul in how they focus their marketing.
2: Yeah, I agree. They don't have the deaf touch that they used to. They really, really did handle things. Like the first 10, 15 years of Antanasio's tenure, they had a much better grip on what they were doing public relations wise. And that seems to have slipped a lot in these last few years, which is really kind of crazy too when you've had so much success. Like this is the most success they've had this last six, seven year run. They've had the most success. And yet... It hasn't been playing out in terms of public relations quite the way it used to. So, yeah, it's definitely something to watch for and to to hope they get better at it. They need to make some, some I think, big gestures to acknowledge that people are kind of pissed off at them. And not yeah. about, like, the, the moves and things like that. Like, you can be mad about that stuff. But, like, the pricing stuff, they need to come up with some ways to make this better because, like in this market you're going to have to cater to a wide variety of fans you can't in some markets you can just say we're going to really try to attract like the uber wealthy and leave the peasants outside and like functionally that can work it's it's shitty it's an awful yeah. thing to do but it can functionally work in some markets i don't think that works in milwaukee you can't you can't leave people that are not you know wealthy outside the door and expect to get crowds not in milwaukee it's just you we're not big enough for that
1: yep and we're cheap like it, that's not gonna work
2: <laughs> i didn't want to say it but no. <laughs> there is no. there is a thing about that culturally in milwaukee that it's like yes everybody loves a bargain here so yes we're all
0: in our all of us here in our at least mid-30s and ups. so we were all raised by cheap people from the midwest too so it's just a lifestyle and we get cranky when we don't get a a, a good deal
2: can i can i tell you something real quick we had a night at our house at one point when money was particularly tight that was gruel night my mom thought this was a good way to sell it that we were gonna have oatmeal (laughs) and honey (laughs) toast honey (laughs) toast was supposed to be the good thing and she sold it as gruel night because i think we had just done like oliver at school like a production of Oliver. So like, yeah, she thought this would be a good idea to sell it. So yes, like that is <laughs> Does she work for the Brewer's Marketing Department now? <laughs> <laughs> she does not, but I think she could. So
0: Brewer's Grill night where uh you get the the knockoff poutine and uh eighteen dollar beer. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Brian Polakowski is asking, uh, the APC Unpack Podcast has a guy draft each preseason. Can each of you select a non-ranked prospect to have an impact on the MLB team this year? Uh non-roster invites can count two. Ooh, this is gonna test our knowledge of uh the depth of the roster. Uh Ryan. <laughs> Let's have you go first
1: so Paul can look up some guys. Paul's not going to get anybody, but we'll give it a shot.
2: <laughs> I mean, everybody was kind of complaining that Abner Uribe isn't showing up in a lot of top 10s. So I'm going to go sure. with Uribe. I've kind of said throughout the year. I think you could also say Cam Robinson, another guy that they put on the uh, the 40-man this winter. But those guys would be roster invitees, not non-roster invitees. So Sure. But I think those are the kind of guys here that you're thinking. Also like uh, the outfielder whose name just literally escaped me again. The outfielder that they got from the Yankees and who Meg took number one overall in the uh, in the uh, minor league free agent draft. Oh, uh, shoot. Who was that? Yeah, uh, yeah, his, who his name. Every time we talk it's about gonna it. It's just going to be what's-his-face going forward. Dang it. Is that Sky,
0: Sky Bolt? No, it's not Sky, no, Bolt. Not Sky Bolt. Bolt. No, no,
2: no. <laughs> 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 We're leaving this in, too, because this is just this shoot, is wonderful no, radio. I know.
0: Because he's on the roster, so he's not that's showing fantastic. up on the NRI list. Oh, that's why. Okay.
2: Yeah. No, he'd be on the forty-man roster. So if you're yeah. looking at that, John
1: Singleton's not on the forty-man anymore. No, he's, he's not. He's in an NRI. NRI. <laughs> that's
2: yep. <laughs> he's out.
1: Is it? Oh, we're just gonna reading a list now. Good radio. Is it Blake Perkins? Yes. It is Blake Perkins. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Which yes. is
2: like the most random, generic, like uh, CGI sort of. That's why you can't name. remember him, right? That's yeah, exactly. That's the kid. problem. I blame his parents for naming him Blake Perkins. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, totally fair. The Brewers uh, have Josh Van Meter. Yes, they lord. Do. Yep,
0: mm-hmm. that shows how much I've been paying attention to this one too.
1: I'm. Not, I don't know anything about Sky Bolt, but I'm gonna pick him. Uh, he yes. can be like Jet Bandy. He, he's got like a Star Wars name, and he can sell like twelve jerseys, and that's worth it. So mm-hmm. go with that. Oh, Monty Harrison back
0: too. Yeah, yes, Monty's back. Yep. Look at that. That's cool. Good for him.
1: The Brewers are never above bringing back a guy.
0: No, no. Especially guys that they thought were guys at one point. Mm-hmm. Okay,
2: cool. Lucas Ursig as a pitcher. Mm-hmm. I'm down with that. Though he's never left the organization. He's been. No, the whole he time hasn't.
0: But I'm still, I'm still rooting for that. comeback. Yep,
1: there.
0: Sam. Okay. I feel like those are some guys. So yeah, uh, it's, it's easier to
1: do in football. Cause you can just grab like a high raz, like undrafted right. agent and just be like that guy. He'll be, he'll be fine. And usually that's true. So
0: baseball equivalents like a random reliever who throws like 99 exactly yeah Yeah. okay uh adam post i think ryan this question is for you too who Mm -hmm. would or would you like to see replace craig berhalter (laughs) as the u.s men's national team coach
2: Well, the answer was going to be Jesse Marsh, of course, because he's from Wisconsin, he's from Racine, Uh, and he just got fired by Leeds United, which is where all the American players were going. They actually just added Weston McKinney, came over, and then they fired Jesse Marsh like a day or two later, I think was the sequencing of that. But it sounds like Jesse Marsh is going to be, who did they say he was, I think he's going to Southampton. So it sounds like he's getting another EPL job, and he's not really at the point in his career. So... Coaching a national team is kind of a career dead end. It's uh, it, it some guys are able to do it; they're able to bounce from doing it to uh to bouncing back to club soccer, but it generally doesn't work that way. So, it's usually older guys, kind of more at the end of their run, or guys who weren't ever like really big prospects to do it. So, it's not going to be Jesse Marsh, and I don't know, but it is not going to be Greg Berhalter and that whole thing was just a giant catastrophe. So whatever, the less said about that, the better.
1: I don't have anything Uh, to add to who should be a soccer (laughs) guy. (laughs) If you're waiting for me. Uh,
0: Claudio Reyna. Maybe, I don't know. He seems um, to feel like he can run anything.
2: No. no. Keep Claudio Reina that's... the hell away. I don't I don't want yeah. them to let him in the stadium right now, let alone like actually. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd prefer he stayed away from everything for a while. Let alone running, Yeah, anything. probably should. Okay. Um
0: last Patreon question this week comes from Morgoth10, <laughs> <laughs>
2: which that's fantastic, by the way.
0: That's good, amazing. Yep. Yeah uh morgoth 10 is asking in honor of ryan's orc filled weekend what nine brewers past or present would you pick to create a fellowship of the brew fellowship of the beer brewership of the fellows workshop that title later but anyway i go for trying to find the best matches for the actual lord of the rings fellowship rather than to just the nine best brewers of all time i am famously useless with this but uh Ryan, I I know you you and your wife were talking about this for for a good long while, and you have a list. What yeah, we,
2: we workshop this quite a bit. So the
0: reading uh, glasses are out by the way. You can't see this, but Ryan's got his glasses on so you know it's serious.
2: Yeah. So uh, so I worked at this and really just tried to go with like the characteristics of the characters and sort of worked my way down through the list uh, to start with, I think there's only one choice for Frodo here, and that's Good Counsel. That. Oh, who did you who did you think it was? Paul, Scooter, Scooter. Okay, uh, yeah. Scooter does show up here, and he, he is he's a, a Hobbit. Hobbit. Yeah, he's, okay, good. He's one of the Hobbits, but he's a lesser Hobbit. You know, the <laughs> All reason right, fine. the reason I went with Counsel for Frodo is what James was just talking about. He mentioned this is like. When you watch Craig Council manage, or especially you watch a post-game press conference, it is very clear he is carrying the burden of the world on his shoulders, and it is wearing on him to go through these games and to work his way through. The expressions that man makes, he looks like he is in physical pain, and that is really what Elijah Wood did that entire film, was just like, look like he is in excruciating agony. So I think that you can just match those up right there.
1: Fair. I think we should go Hobbit by Hobbit because then I I, I don't mm-hmm. want to go all at the end. So I, I have Scooter just based on size. A lot of mine are just based on size. Okay. But I, I stand by it. His First of all, he has a Hobbit name. Um, that is it's a, true. Scooter. That is a very Hobbit name. And uh, he is, uh, you know, a tiny person. So I, I stand by that one.
2: Yeah. So I did then, I'm working off of having Craig Council as my Frodo, I needed a sidekick. Yeah. And I thought, like, Pat Murphy is kind of the obvious pick there because he is the loyal sidekick. He he came and like was coaching after having a heart attack, like to to be on the bench for for Craig. So yeah. like he is clearly sacrificing and doing what he can to try to help uh, Craig in his mission to bring the ring to Milwaukee.
1: Gotcha. All right, I, I need some help from you on my my Sam actually. Okay, um, the Brewers used to have a short, fat catcher in their system who was actually pretty well regarded. Um, he was described in a baseball prospectus annual as a bowling ball shaped catcher. yeah can you can you help me with the name? It's hard to Google Angel Salome Angel, Angel Salome. Salome thank you yeah. that is perfect yeah so I again based on size that's my choice for number two for, for Sam.
2: Okay so my Marion Pippin let's just take Take together, together. Here. yeah Same. yeah I yeah. agree with that yeah so we're just gonna take them together and like really here I was looking for comic relief. So guys yeah. who are funny, and who were kind of like also Hobbit like in some sort of way. And so I went with Ed Cedar and Scooter.
1: <laughs> okay. I went with Brent Souter and Tim Dillard. Um, I don't actually like Marion Pippin that well, and I think that they fit perfectly with that concept of me not really finding them <laughs> that funny. Uh
2: Yeesh. okay. Okay. So that was that's where I ended up with that. Um moving on, I think that uh we gotta we gotta talk about uh Boromir, because he's you know the the first one to drop here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we had to talk about Boromir, and uh, for me, because this is a guy who gave of himself and sacrificed his life for the team for mm-hmm. to for them to continue. So I went with Ben Sheets as Boromir. He like oh, okay gave up him of himself for the team to have success.
1: I get that. I went with Yelich, um, because uh, you know good peak. Uh, but a flawed, a fundamentally flawed character representative of humanity's uh, fallen sinful nature as a whole and
2: won't let me fix him. So that's that's my Boromir. OK. Um, OK, so Legolas... Legolas Legolas yeah okay so this one I really had a lot of trouble with and I went more physical in appearance I'm thinking like somebody who's got long blonde flowing hair and is like flinging arrows around the place so with Hader for that one
1: yeah except I I, so I I get you there and that's uh, I'm a hypocrite because he he does look very much like an like an elf but uh, I can't have him in that position because he is Josh Hader Uh, and elves are supposed to be sort of above uh, you know they're not flawed. They get to walk on top of snow, so that's trickier. I went with Graham Lloyd um, because oh, wow. he's also tall, willowy, uh, and also from the closest place to New Zealand that any
2: Brewer is. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: that's that's fair. All
2: logic. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we both went with lefty relievers. So like we're we're kind of on the same page here. <laughs> All right. So um so Gimli, this was uh, a big suggestion. I so. Get-
1: I got two in my head here. I can go either way. So
2: okay. Well, this was a suggestion of my wife, and I immediately I was like, okay, yep, you're you're right on that. She also was the one who popped Ed Cedar for. Uh, she all was right. saying for Sam, but yeah, she was the one who grabbed Ed Cedar out of there. I'm like, oh, that works. Okay. So for Gimli, I had Prince Fielder.
1: Yeah. So uh, just to go, I, so I agree with that pick. It makes all kinds of sense. But I will go the other direction that I hadn't th- was thinking. Although I agree with Prince Fielder, which is Paul Molitor. Uh because mm. he had the hairiest arms in the world, which is a very dwarven trait as well.
2: Okay. So yeah, the I basically I was going with with that because he's he's stout, he's very powerful. I and, mean, I don't
1: think we need to explain Prince yeah. Fielder. At, no, 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 you're this. right, you're right, you're right. Yep, we're we're good.
2: <laughs> we're good. Okay. So um Aragorn. Aragorn, I went back and forth on this. I actually at one point was gonna say it was Corbin Burns, but then I'm like, wait, no, 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 no. He is the he is the prince of the of the story. He is the guy who is the it, the prince who grows into a king in front of our eyes in that whole thing. And I say so just yount. It's it's yount.
1: I, I, so I think yount is probably the objectively correct answer here, especially because I already wasted Molitor. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm actually I'm gonna go with Ryan Braun. I, I think he's actually a little uh, okay. a Couple reasons. He, he's a little Aragorn looking. Um, Aragorn, of course. <laughs> In okay. the books, Aragorn in the books is famously very large. He is uh, larger than a normal human is by virtue of having um, the the king's the royal blood in him. Um, however, Vigo Mortensen is a bit miscast in this role as being a, a little bit of a, a smaller human. And I, I like I like Braun for sort of it's not quite right, but it kind of works, especially as uh, as like the guy that actually like uh, I like his crappy motivation uh, anyway. I, I like Braun there. I can't. I, I, I'm Yount also I can see doing a couple other roles too But I, I agree with Ryan Just to go, to go in a different direction Yount's correct Yount is the correct answer He's the best Brewer offensive player of all time That is the correct answer
2: And I, I'm going to be stunned If we don't have the same Gandalf here um, It's got to be Euchre, right?
1: Uh, yeah, I, that's again the obvious one I, 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 I was kind of thinking of saving Yount For the role there a little mm. bit but you can make just if you're sliding a guy in there that just, it's too easy. So yes,
2: yeah, like the the dry sense of humor, the yeah, like it just yes,
1: yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. not able to actually contribute actions on the field, just sort of inspiration and like lowly magic that it really works
2: perfectly. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that yeah, that that list. I I spent way too much time on that and way too many brain cells trying to ponder that out, but it was fun. I enjoyed it.
0: This is amazing. Thank you, Morgoth10, for the question. This is the most fun I've had listening to you two just go on in a long time. So that's great. Uh, If you have any other things you you want us to to build a team of uh, other fellowships, as it were, just join Patreon and tell us to do it, and we'll do it.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's the rule. So do that.
0: All right, before we wrap things up this week, we got a couple Twitter questions uh, to get through. Weird Al Baseball asking, why does Freddie Peralta get so little hype? Incredibly red all over his Baseball Savant page. Um,
1: I, I think health probably has something to do with it, Paul. Health, yes. But so I think Freddie gets the correct amount of hype, which is. Oh those peripherals they look so good but also he just loses his location once in a while like Freddie's wild card guy every once in a while he just can't find the strike zone and he misses games and he occasionally lets his platoon splits get the best of him so the potential's wrapped up in there but he's not young anymore he's been around a while now so that's why he doesn't get more hype uh, Freddy was super hyped 2 years ago 3 years ago uh now he is like an MLB veteran who hasn't quite gotten reached his potential compared to his compatriots yet and has a couple of flaws that just he hasn't really completely corrected. So, uh, and health. So that's why he's not young anymore.
2: Yeah, more than anything, it is the health thing. I mean, he's still, this will be his age 27 season because he did come up so young. He was, you know, he made his debut at 22, which is very, very, you know, that's extremely young, especially for a pitcher from the Dominican Republic. Like that is... That is very, very young. Those guys don't generally make it up that quickly. So, um, yeah, I think that it really is mostly just about the fact that he's been hurt a lot and that we've only seen it all come together for just last year, for 2021. So two years ago. And Mm -hmm. even then, it was still only 144 innings. So we didn't really like he had an all star campaign, but then he got hurt and there was some time missed or what was it he was coming out of the all-star break and he uh they held him out because they were worried about managing his inning load and all of that but on like a pitch per pitch basis he's as talented as either hater or or, sorry not hater as either uh burns or woodruff (laughs) he is as talented as those guys it's just it's been hard for him to to build up to the kind of workload those guys have had and to to sustain it in a way like they have. And that's largely because he's just not big like they are. You know, those guys are, you know, six foot three, six foot four. And Freddie famously is, you know, not. So I think that's really more than anything. Why people kind of forget about him, but he is this wonderful. If you get 150 uh, innings out of him, like they did in 2021 this year, yeah, it's hard to imagine them not winning the division, right? Like, if they get that sort of performance out of him, things are going very, very well. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, they are.
0: Yeah. And like we talked about too, uh, you know, him being out for a large chunk of last year really came back to bite them because that's where you had those replacement level innings from the Jason Alexanders of the world, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. a big drop off from 21 Freddie. So, yeah. Um, you know, and that might make a lot of a difference, uh, of the way things played out last year. So, uh, yeah, I, I still love the guy. I'm very happy that he signed that contract when he did. And yeah, it, it's hard to top him as a three or four starter when he's on. So, um, definitely could get a little bit more hype though, but it's tough when you have a reigning Cy Young award winner on your team and, and a, a guy right there with like Brandon Woodruff too. So um, not many n- number threes get that kind of hype. All right. Last Twitter question of the week comes from Steve Garshinsky, who's asking, has anyone been to Dodger Stadium? What's a good place <laughs> to sit or seats to avoid? Um, Ryan, I feel like Steve should know you've never been to Dodger Stadium.
2: I, I'm I assuming he did know that. I think we talked yeah. about this at one point, but yes, sure. I've never even been to LA. Well, I, I was when I was in, a kid, I was like a year and a half, was the last time I was to Southern California. I've never really been, spent any time south of San Francisco.
1: I've been to LA, but not to a game. So can't help you either. No clue. I've heard you want to beat traffic on the way out. That's all I got.
2: <laughs> <laughs> famously, people do famously. like to
1: beat traffic
0: on the way out there. Arrive in the third, leave by the seventh. um y- Yeah, I, I've never been either. Although uh, I was in LA for a work conference in September right when the Cardinals were in town on the night Albert Pujols hit number 700 and I had a thought that oh it'd be cool to go to a Dodger game but it was already too late the game had started my hotel was like a 10 minute uber right away tickets were like 15 bucks that night and i miss seeing number 700 so Uh, uh, for shame for shame
1: shame indeed
0: Yeah, I could see, like, the lights from my hotel room. It sucked. Um, So none of us have been to Dodger Stadium. But if any of you listening have, feel free to reply to the tweet (laughs) asking
2: for the call for questions and let Steve know where he should sit. Yeah, I've heard you don't want to sit by the speaker because they have one of those, like. Uh the Mets Stadium, Shea was famous for that, having that really big speaker stack. And County, I think, had a pretty big speaker stack towards <laughs> yes, the end there, too. It
1: did it, it was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> avoid 70s that.
0: feel to it. Yeah. Okay. Uh noted for the next time I'm in LA. All right. Uh reminder, patrons get question priority on the podcast. Patreon.com slash MKE tailgate, just two bucks a month. Gets you that question priority both here and on the Packers Reporting as eligible podcast. Uh whenever they may happen through the off season here. So when uh, Aaron sure comes to...
1: out of his hole and sees his shadow, we'll be back. Yep.
0: Yep. Six more <laughs> weeks of Aaron Rodgers talk. So there you go. Um and
2: in this case it's literally comes out of his hole because that's where he's <laughs> self sequestered, is literally in solitary confinement in a hole. Like he's so But he's gonna be on McAfee on not, Tuesday.
1: He's not doing it now. That was not true. He's we won't know until he's in the hole and even then we probably won't know because he'll be in a hole yeah you can't make this shit up like the guy isn't sufferable all he wants is the attention he's not even i don't even have any problem of if you want to go in a hole for meditation purposes that's fine i have nothing against doing that you just don't need
0: to tell everybody
1: it's combined with the other yeah it's that it's it's all about (laughs) me Uh, mm-hmm. Only Aaron Rodgers could make going in a hole to be by himself all about him.
2: Yes. The whole point <laughs> of the activity is that you're supposed to be like withdrawing into yourself and like becoming introspective and leaving the the outside world behind. And you had to let everybody know that you are doing this because you are such an incredible weirdo that you just have to like get that bit of attention for yourself. It is also oh, insufferable.
0: I can't wait until he's just with the Raiders, and then he's out in the desert doing peyote with Devontae Adams or something. <laughs> the
2: The result here is that he needs to go to Vegas, right? Like that is what yes. w- makes the most sense.
1: Yeah, he holds all the cards though, so he can. If he doesn't yeah. want to, then they can't make him. I mean, they technically can. I mean, he can always retire and screw their cap. So he has all the cards, and uh, he'll hopefully he decides. Like I said, somebody should set up outside the hole with speakers and <laughs> slip slip New York style pizza through the slots and uh, uh, like get him out it's like make it inception this puppy you, know?
2: <laughs> you want to take mark davis's money take mark davis's money as <laughs> <To> repeat mark <laughs> davis mark <laughs> davis over and over and over till he just takes it ah get off my team like i can't wait for this
0: to be done the aaron Rodgers thing not this not this podcast uh we're having fun this week but uh yes whenever rod uh aaron emerges from the whole paul and the gang will have have a podcast <laughs> to talk about whatever visions he saw in there so uh be sure on, to be on the lookout for that in the meantime, uh, we would like to ask you to leave a review and rating for this podcast over on Apple Podcasts. A reminder, Paul will read literally anything you write in the review if you give us five stars, including the person who said he hated us because somebody called it home base at still, one point.
1: Still at the top. So yeah. somebody else go and fix that.
0: Yep. Yeah, we don't want to have home base up there uh, for too, far too long. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) like the PJ Fleck one. So uh, yeah, go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five star review, please. That'll help us out. And while you're there, please do hit that subscribe button on Apple podcasts or on Spotify, pocket casts, wherever else you listen to us. Uh, Helps make sure that you never miss an episode, especially now that we're getting close to spring training, world baseball classic, all that stuff. People will be throwing Baseballs and playing catch and you'll see all the iPhone videos soon enough from all the reporters. I can't wait. Uh already feeling warmer, just uh thinking about baseball being back. So uh hey, football's done, uh baseball season's coming up and uh go Bucks, apparently. Bucks and six.
1: <laughs> Bucks and six.
0: All right. Thanks for listening, fun. everyone. We'll be back next time on the one you do.